Welcome back to Podcast 68, 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Icebreakers and follow us on social media slash The Icebreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit theicebreakers.com slash Betfred Sports. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support The Icebreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theicebreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any. For win cappers, you get the premium plays before line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the icebreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. We have a great show for you today. Focusing on college football today, tomorrow will be the NFL. And really happy to welcome back Ron Ace Sports to the show to break down some of the biggest games of the weekend. Before Ron comes on, just want to let you know our agenda for next week. I'm going to be traveling next week. Yes, doing my fatherly duties. A little bit of Disneyland, but the good news is I'm not leaving till Tuesday. I can get a lot of my work done on Monday, so the Monday's podcast will be recorded, but there only will be one podcast later in the week. Doubtfully going to have a guest, but if I do, it's going to be either on Thursday morning or Thursday midday when the podcast comes out. So the slight change in the itinerary is just for next week. I'm still going to have our information and content based on fantasy sports, box score analysis, betting spots, sharp money, and all the stuff we do from a week-to-week basis, as well as our normal plays that we are giving out for the show. If you'd like to become a member at the Icebreakers, we still have our promo Football 23 to get 50 bucks off any football package or 50 bucks off any monthly membership good all the way through the 2023 regular season. All right, without further ado, let's get into some college football week five with our wonderful guest, Ron Marmolevsky. Now I'm very excited to bring back Mr. Ron Ace Sports from the Inside Blitz to the Odds Breakers. You can follow Ron on Twitter at Ron Ace Sports. Ron, just getting into conference play here. So much excitement. How the heck are you doing? Uh, couldn't be better. Right in the middle of college football season, Kiev, and we're talking about four games have been played for almost every college football team. That means we have data now. And all those 98 or 99 team previews I wrote, I don't want to toss them away because I wrote about different games and expectations all the way through. But if they're wrong, you, you pivot now because you've got four games of data. And although schedules aren't made to be created equal in September, you can learn a lot of stuff from that. So I'm anxious to compare what I projected to what's really happening on the field and then making adjustments as necessary. 100%. And like, I love it because now that we have data, I think some people overanalyze it and forget the most important component when four weeks of David, which I think is strength schedule. You know, there's a couple games that we're going to go over today that has a pretty significant strength of schedule difference because this data, 
You know, it's like if you if you really put it hand in hand, unless they're pretty equal in certain ways, you still got to sift through and say this is fake, you know, and that's the fun part about handicapping. So I can't wait to get into that. But before we get into that, tell me about your Iceland trip, man. I've uh, been suggested by a few friends to go there during the summer. So I'm curious, uh, how was it and any highlights? A lot of highlights. I didn't realize that every place you go is a little bit different from, uh, you know, going on and touching ice and all these different things in one part of the country where it's colder uh, to how these people bake bread under the ground and just how happy they are, how under they're still underpopulated, although so they're getting a lot more tourists right now. But we went in a small group. There were, I think, 14 or 16 of us. And we were there for 15 days, 14 days, and we saw a great deal of the country. I highly recommend it. We were lucky with the weather. It was really in the mid-50s most of the time and very, very little rain. And we saw so many things. Uh, Just unbelievable. If you like the outdoors, uh, you have to hit Iceland. All right, so that's what I do like the outdoors. So it's a beautiful country. I've seen some pictures. It seems like it's got a little everything, some green, some ice, some lakes, some mountains, right? Oh, yes. And it's. I didn't realize how different it was where you go from one area to the next in terms of what you'll see and, and what the environment looks like, what the background looks like, whether you know you're all brown or you're all ice and so on. It's... It's just really beautiful the way it is. One, I think one quarter of the country you can't really get to, but you could get to three quarters of the country. Oh, that's that's cool. Well, you know, that one quarter is probably a lot of ice, I would guess. But, you know, uh, yeah. unless there's some hidden hidden uh, dinosaurs uh, frozen in glaciers or something, you know, it's probably best to... Uh, the glaciers are amazing. It, it really are. And, you know, when we were there, we never saw Doc darkness because it wouldn't get dark till like 11 30 12 at night and then by the time you get up you know even if you're up at 5 5 30 you're in light again that's awesome what kind of animals do they have they're like bears and stuff we have or is it a little different we didn't we didn't uh we didn't see that many animals actually i think um maybe we were steered away from them but a lot of horses we saw a lot of horses and they have they're very particular about their breeding and how they deal with that um there's that's a controversial topic, actually, in Iceland, oh. as far as if, if the horse leaves, it doesn't come back. So um, that it's it's very uh, read up upon uh, horses and controversial topics okay. in Iceland. Uh, we got we got a little uh, uh, lecture on that. It was very interesting. That's kind of lots of controversy going on out there, too. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's all right. It's a cool, beautiful country. Maybe something I need to see. Definitely on one of my potential lists, but that's great. You got to go right before football season, but uh, there's yeah. also a lot of controversy going on in football season. People trying to decide what's what and who's who and who should be in the top, but it, it's nothing different than every other year. It's just the same old thing. College football yeah. still gaining popularity, and we love that, but you know what we care about is the lines and value You know, in this show and uh, leave all the drama for the other uh, programs to talk about. We have... Uh, and that's why I, I always like to ask smart guys like you, Ron. Um, I mean, just coming into the season here, I always like to ask who's might be a little bit undervalued coming in here to uh, maybe not necessarily this week, could be this week or next week, you know, that you might find some value in. Uh, and maybe uh, we can ask overvalued after that. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I'm glad you said it not 
just about this week, but I have my eye on a team from the Southeast Conference, and that's Arkansas. They've started slow. I like KJ Jefferson. He hasn't been a one-man show in terms of that. He can will his team to win, uh, but he puts up some good numbers. He has some running options, but the team is really driven by Raheem Sanders, their running back, who ran for over 1,500 yards last year. And this year, he's missed the last three games due to injury. He might even miss this week against Texas A&M. They're a different team when he's in the lineup. I projected 5.25 yards per carry using my rush formula this year. They're only at 3.9, and it's cost them a couple of games. They lost the BYU game close. They lost the uh, LSU game last week, I think, by three points. So I want to keep an eye on this team when Sanders gets healthy if you look at their November schedule late October November schedule they actually could run the table if all goes well I think defensively they played a little bit better their coach teaches a line of scrimmage he's an ex-offensive line guru um, their head coach if Raheem Sanders can get healthy I think this is a team to not overlook down the stretch. I'm always looking one or two weeks ahead, and and that's why I picked Arkansas for for this question. Any chance he comes back this week? He's questionable. Yeah, you know, he could come back this week. I don't know if he'd be at full strength. A&M's defense is pretty tough. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily see an edge in that game. I, I think he will have to play himself into game shape. They'd probably split his carries if he came back. Uh, but it would be interesting. Any sign that he runs for uh, high yards per carry against A&M would be a good sign moving forward. And I still think that uh, Arkansas is going to be a little bit undervalued because people look at the close losses. But I like it. And I think they have an interesting matchup on a neutral site this week against Texas A&M. And it's just kind of the repeat from last year. I did look at that game and I might have a play on it, actually. So that's an interesting yeah. one and uh, that we're probably going to avoid. But I'm going to go with Arizona, and we're going to talk about Arizona today a little bit. They're a team that's positive two yards per play, and that's a pretty big margin, uh, 2.07. I know they didn't play a lot of big teams in Northern Arizona, UTEP, at Stanford, uh, Mississippi State, who's kind of like the uh, having a down year in the SEC, but I do see some positives for them. Um, and I also like to look at turnover margin. Is it luck or is it sustainable? I don't know with Jaden Delora there. It's minus five. Yeah. But um, if they can mm-hmm. clean that up, I think they can be very competitive. Um, let's go to overrated team that maybe could fade over the next few weeks that you think the media or yeah. maybe even the betters like. Like I could have gone offline and gone Sunbelt or one of those. Um, that would be very easy. But everybody knows who Colorado is. But I, even though um, I thought that they were – Going to be exposed big time last week, I still think they're overvalued and worth talking about here. Line of scrimmage data, and and this is nothing against Sanders and what he's brought into the program with the 80-plus transfers. He's going to get it right. There's no problem about that. He'll hit the transfer portal hard, much like USC last year uh, went offense heavy. This year, they tried to go defense in the portal. I see uh, Colorado just dominating the transfer portal again next year. But but we're talking about now. And Colorado is still overvalued, I think, because they can't run the ball. They're running under three yards a carry. 
Uh, they can't stop the run. It was 5.0 per carry. It got worse after playing Oregon, again, with my uh, rush formula. So it's going to be a little bit different than you see with the hard numbers. But basically, uh, they can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. Their quarterback is getting hit at an enormous rate. It's, it's just incredible. The schedule heats up. Remember, they played TCU game one. TCU sent nine players to the NFL. That wasn't the team no, that we're going to see down the road. Um, also, you know, they played Colorado State, and that game could have been a Colorado State victory, and Colorado State is, is one of the weaker teams. Now they're going to really go up against a lot of good teams, not just USC, but down the road they're going to play a lot more. You know, They're going to play Utah to end the season, a few other tough games down the road. Uh, last week before the Oregon game, their over-under win total was six and a half. I think they can threaten that, but I went under six and a half because they're getting beat up. Uh, Sanders' son, one of his sons is beat up. Uh, Hunter, their fine two-way player, um, is seriously hurt, and I don't know when he, he comes back. Yeah, like a liver like a liver, liver damage, man. I mean, that was a disgusting yeah. hit he took, too, and... Yes, you know, I've, I've I've been there when I played high school ball. I made that hit on kickoffs and stuff, and it felt really <laughs> good. But when the guy's down, you're like, uh, yeah, I don't even know what I thought. I was an idiot back then, you know. But like, um, I mean, just watching it, it's like, it's like, dude, you don't have nothing to prove by doing that. It's like, it, we, you know, the, the league's been trying to take away hits because of certain important reasons, and he was covered already against another guy. It's not like you just take a cheap shot like yeah. that, and I hope the kid regrets it. But it was really hard for me to find the value of Travis Hunter because it's not just the value of the player itself. It's the value of what's below, and Colorado is one of the right. thinnest teams from top to bottom, it's like a massive difference. You like you have uh, some a few really big stars, and then you have a bunch of like very low two star FCS grade type guys like lower because that's how that's how it is for them, and that's why you know injuries could absolutely ruin this team. So I understand your underplay on that, and very good points, Ron. Um, for me, it's I'm going to say Oklahoma for now because. And I'm not saying they're not a bad team. I, I just think they benefited in a lot of their situations, especially from the turnover margin. And I do love teams that don't turn the ball over, but how do we know they're that team when they've only played Arkansas State, SMU, where they got turnovers, and they didn't score a lot of points against SMU at Tulsa and Cincinnati. And um, being plus uh, 1.8 per game, is fourth in the nation in the positive to the turnovers. But, I mean, playing a beat-up Cincinnati team and nobody else hasn't really told me that you're that good. So I'm under the market on them, and I'm I'm looking to fade them. But I'm guessing I have to wait till the Red River rivalry where you're going to have Texas already a, probably an above three-point favorite here. So it's going to be interesting for me to pick my spot. Maybe it will be that day, but... Mm -hmm. I, I do like Oklahoma in general. I just think they're a little overrated. You know, that's an interesting point because that a measuring stick won't be this week most likely. It's going to be next week against Texas. And if, if the result is bad, um, situations where you have a team that's run off a whole bunch of victories and then they get their first defeat in the middle of the season, sometimes it's tough to rebound from that. Now, the, the different rules and conferences have mitigated it a little bit because you could still get into the Big 12 title game uh, if, 
if you're one of the top two teams. So if they sure. run the table after that, they still have motivation where in the past you didn't. But we'll find out more about Oklahoma, and you, you very well might be right. I want to see whether or not they bring it to the table, not just offensively, but defensively, if we start to see some problems against Texas. They got blown off. They got blown out last completely year. against Texas last year. Yeah. Yeah. Same guys there, too. And both sides really leading the pack from quarterback standpoint as well. Well, let's get into some games then. Uh, Friday, we have a, a big one, must-see TV. Utah versus Oregon State. And Oregon State's minus three and a half. The total is about, what, 45? That's a low total. Well, uh, there's a lot of things that might change this game. But, hey, uh, Corvallis is a place that you know about a little, Ron, uh, uh, being that your alma mater is right there. I'm sorry I did it at the bet against him last week. But, uh uh, this week could be a different story, and uh, I, I took a lot out of that game last week that I really thought Washington State did play a little bit out of their mind, and um, Oregon State you know, kind of had some garbage a little bit at the end, but um, this is interesting because uh, you know we don't know what we're going to get from Utah. You have honors, sir. You go first and let us know what we th- you think of this game. Well, going back to last week, it was a matchup problem for Oregon State, and I, I knew it. I mean, I, we talked about this uh, on air a couple of times last week and with Kyle Hunter and his spaces column. Uh, Ward has a new coordinator and they stretch the field. But this week, Utah doesn't play that way. Utah plays in-your-face defense and they play the short passing game, try to establish the run, trying to beat you in other ways. I think this is a better matchup for Oregon State. I think the line has got out of range from what it was. We were talking in some cases you were able to get one point at Oregon State in one of the shops, and then there was uh, an opener of one, two, three, three and a half. We're getting out of range with a Kyle Whittingham team. Uh, who, you know, these are two of the great coaches in college football, but Kyle Whittingham is a top five coach. I see this game as being – uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'm not good with pronunciations, but the former Clemson quarterback, let's just call him DJ. Um, he has a nice, smooth delivery. And of course, being an Oregon State uh, alumni, uh, alumnus and fan, you know, I've watched all their games and all their snaps. The problem is he overthrows a lot of his receivers. He can't do that in this game. It's really, this is the game, unlike past games where they could run other teams out of the out of the stadium in this particular game i think it's going to be up to him as to whether or not oregon state gets the win on uh, friday night very interesting it'll be a great great atmosphere up there on friday night hopefully this is the last year we're gonna have to say uyungalele and i don't even know (laughs) if i say it right half the time and i even though i've been saying it a while i noticed myself screw it up um I mean, I don't think it will be last year, though. <laughs> I think he's going to be hanging around a little longer. Um, this should, It's going to be some good football weather. Uh, Utah's 4-0. But, you know, they beat a Florida team on a week one that was, you know, you know, week one is. It's, you know, new quarterback, new everything. Florida showed a little bit of life at the end, throwing for a bunch of yards, but it was empty yards. Uh, Baylor, Utah should have lost to really, in my opinion, Baylor choked that game away in the last two minutes, choked my lot, my bet away as well. I had a, like a, what is it? A, I had a plus seven 
and they lost by seven when they were up by seven with two minutes left. So, yep, yep, still bitter. Mm. Uh, UCLA, <laughs> UCLA, the freshman quarterback, you know, is the first time they kind of faced us, uh, hit you in the face defense. It's really hard to win in Utah. You know, that's one of the biggest home field advantages, in my opinion. But um, Oregon State's defense is still solid, ranked in 12th in success rate, 20th in yards per play. The defense was a little suspect, 62 in EPA. Yet they had a really tough environment last week at Wazoo. And you're right, they got beat over the top by a very underrated quarterback in Cameron Ward. Trust me, I watched him when he played my Badgers. And my Badgers had a chance and fumbled that game away. But um, uh, it was Wazoo's real. And and I think they're going to be a problem not just for what happened last week. They're going to be a problem for everybody this week. This is a team that, you know, every big name, Oregon, USC, Washington, uh, Utah, they, they everyone needs to just look at a team like Wazoo and f- find a relaxing week. That's not going to happen in the Pac-12 this year. Mm-hmm. So I find it's such an interesting conference. But Utah's defense will lean on um, what they've done and stop the run. But I'm not sure how good they really are at stopping the run when you know they faced a very easy schedule, in my opinion, of rushing offenses. Now, I, I know UCLA is supposed to be better, but... Um, Utah's offense has been terrible. 108th, fifth in explosive uh, explosiveness, hundredth in success rate. They rank only 117th in yards per play, and they haven't had to put up yards yet. But I think they're a little bit different on the road, and you saw that against a very bad Baylor team. Uh, Oregon State should be able to, I think, win this game a little bit on the ground towards the end. I'm not going to say it's in the beginning, but if DJ can run the ball, they're going to throw a little bit of a different um, quirk into it, and. Uh, uh, Utah's going to have to still try to be honest and stop some of those receivers there. Now, the, I, I looked up the ATS stuff, and there's nothing really there. It almost favors Utah. Utah. Since 2004, Utah's 24-14 and 1 as a away dog. I thought Utah mm-hmm. would have a worse away record, but they don't. They have a really good away record. Yeah. It's not just their home. They're just a good team in general, always underrated. However, uh, 2000, since 2004, Oregon State is 36-30 and 30 as a home favorite, 54.6%. So that's a little bit towards Oregon State. Now, I took this at minus one on the opener on Sunday, and so it's three and a half, and this is what we're dealing with here. Is Cam Rising playing, Ron? I don't know, and, and, and it wouldn't change my opinion of the game um, other than the fact that he probably has more running ability and more experience, but he's going to be rusty throwing the ball. Um, I still think Utah tries to shorten the game. We're probably there's a reason that the total is low because the expectation is that neither team is going to hit big plays unless it's going to be defensively in this particular game. So, yeah, I I think Oregon State again. I think they're going to have to pass some in this game. Oregon State has very small wide receivers. Five foot eight are their top two wide receivers. Right. I'm, I'm not crazy about that. You like to have one big target. They had Luke Musgrave, who's in Green Bay now, as a tight end. Um, so they'll probably throw some to their tight end. But it's going to be an interesting affair. I will say that. Again, three, three and a half where the line is now is a little out of range for me. My number's three with Cam Rising, and it's probably five and a half without him. So I think if Cam Rising does come in, it drops to two and a half, which I would lean Oregon State right now. I'm going to assume Cam Rising is going to play, but I also find it really weird that he didn't play last week. Um, I thought UC, this UCLA game we should have been his coming out game, and then um, yeah. now you're at Oregon State and then the bye. So why would you start him now or and just 
make sure that ACL is good and just rest him one more game and then go to the bye? I don't know. I mean, it's like... You know, in uh, the NCAA, they don't have to... Uh, do what the NFL does. They don't have to be completely forthcoming no, on injuries. Don't. They don't. So we don't know if they're if they never intended to play him for the whole month. You know, that, that's the thing we'll find out later. You're you're right with the buy coming up. Why do that now? I was really impressed. One more point that Utah stopped UCLA's offense because I thought a Chip Kelly offense couldn't be stopped to just seven points and really zero points for a long time. So. You know, don't discount what Utah's defense could do in this game. It was also Utah got beat bad by them last year, um, and Utah was kind of looking at this as like maybe a revenge spot. I don't know. They they played either minds, but um, I'm happy with my one. I, at three and a half, I lean Utah if Cam's playing, but I don't think he's going to play. It just doesn't make no sense. So right now it's a wait and see. If uh, you find out Cam Rising doesn't play, now that's three and a half. I don't like it, but um, if you can find a three, then I would like it if Cam Rising is playing. I would like the three and a half on the other side personally. So, I mean, we're kind of in, in never never land right now. And that, and that happens sometimes, but I'm rooting for Oregon state for you, buddy. Uh, okay. I, 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 I'm rooting for him. So hopefully, you know, I, I want to see a very strong pack 12 and I don't see anybody with uh, two losses uh, for hopefully a little while here. Any of the top ones anyway. Yeah. Screw, mm-hmm. screw Cal and Stanford. <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on to another game. Uh, Florida versus Kentucky. And Kentucky is minus one and a half now, 40, total of 44. Now, I bragged about getting line value um, on Oregon State, kind of like a, a silent brag, right? But I'm going to silent uh, hate myself for having a bad bet right now because I took uh, Kentucky minus two and a half, minus 120. Now, I still like it because I think my reasoning is correct. But, you know, it's funny. I listen to a lot of shows, Ron. And there's a lot of metrics involved and blah, blah, blah. It almost gets tiresome sometimes, but I'm a metric guy, so I understand it. But one metric that is not talked about enough, in my opinion, Ron, is home road splits. And I think that Florida is a poster child for that. I think that Florida is a terrible road team, and I think they're a great home team. My example would be if they went to Tennessee, nine out of ten times they're going to get blown out. But if Tennessee goes to Florida, nine out of ten times, we're going to see what we just did uh, a week or two ago. Florida blowing them out. I just think that Florida doesn't play well on the road. And I just think Tennessee doesn't play well on the road. But I think at home, you back them. I've always felt that about certain teams. And it actually shows up in the yards per play and other stats if you look at the home road splits. People blend stats a lot, and so does the market, and that's where you get numbers. But I think if you're really truly looking for value, you need to pay attention to that. It's not home field advantage. It's just the mindset of the team, the players, the coach, and how they play on the road. It can't explain it. Now, I've seen enough Graham Mertz, Ron, in my life to wonder why the heck this is not a three-point spread for Kentucky. Now, I know... This is a big strength of schedule difference, and I hate betting a team that has had such an easy schedule. But at the same time, Florida, even though they have the harder, the harder schedule, the win against Tennessee was more about Tennessee being <coughs> flat, uh, uh, penalties being called on them, uh, a little bit of issue with their coach there. Hypel was bad that game. It was more about Tennessee. And Florida, I faded them last week against Charlotte. I took Charlotte plus 28. I was happy that get went through. But it was just kind of one of those situations that they're kind of in a sandwich spot now. Florida has the better offensive and defensive success rates, but Kentucky, 
I mean, even though they had a schedule, it's it's still a good distance in their yards per play. Devin Leary, he's been throwing the ball downfield a little bit. His average depth of, tar- depth of target is far. and I think it's like something like in the tens. Now, Kentucky, after four games, has the number one offense in explosiveness. Granted, it's against some very easy teams. But Florida's defense is 132nd in explosiveness. And that's kind of where I see Kentucky can make some very big plays. And if Graham Mertz is playing on uh, on his heels, you know, obviously losing the game, I don't like him as a comeback-type quarterback. And I've seen that too much at Wisconsin against teams like Notre Dame trying to come back and just throwing tons of picks. He's costed me some unders based on that. I like Kentucky still at minus one and a half mm-hmm. for 2.5 stars, Ron. Any thoughts on the Kentucky game? Game. So uh, um, it's interesting. My numbers favor Kentucky by four and a half. So if you shop around, there is uh, several sites actually have Kentucky minus one right now. And, and I think even though Florida's three and one, I don't know how good they are, to be honest. And, and we don't know is maybe we don't know enough about Kentucky because they're four and oh, but they haven't played a tough schedule. Uh, but I like the fact that even um, various ways and massage the, the data a little bit, they're saying, okay, they ran 5.0 against this team. They still come up with Kentucky because their offense has been really hot. They have a, a running back, Davis. He came from Vanderbilt and he's run, uh, I may not have the exact numbers, but he's running over eight yards a carry right now, I believe. And last year, for this year, they've been much better, but this is going to be a really big test. I would personally like Kentucky more against Florida, just like Oregon State did in the bowl game last year. Um, right now, Florida has, again, I, I think Florida has some limitations defensively that can be exposed with a good Kentucky game plan. 123 pass attempts for rush attempts. I think they need to run the ball a little bit more in this spot. I, I like Florida's running back also eat to win. Um, he has run for high yards per carry. He may be slowed down. You mentioned home road splits. Up until the last two years, Florida owned Kentucky anywhere. But Kentucky has won the last games. And I actually think Kentucky is being a little bit undervalued in wave one right now. I do think that Kentucky with a balanced offense can win this game outright. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Again, a little connection problem. Might be on my side, Ron. Um, So I'm going to see if I can fix that in the meantime. But why don't we get into the next game, Uh, Clemson versus Syracuse. Syracuse is plus seven. The total on this game is 52.5. This is an interesting game, to say the least. Uh, I, I I love how Hughes has played Clemson tough over the past uh, seven out of nine games. They've covered the spread. And that's like, I think Clemson's like crutch, if anybody, over the last nine, ten years is Syracuse. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what you have on this, if anything, um, and then I'll give my okay. two cents. Okay, well, you set the stage pretty good. I'm glad you picked this game. Seven points. The game opened either seven or seven and a half, depending on what shop. I don't see it staying at seven. I think you're going to see it come off seven. The kicking edge is with Syracuse. We've seen Clemson uncharacteristically have some kicking problems this year. Motivation is with Syracuse. They won't want to get over the hump. Um, 
Now, of course, they've been getting 20 some points many of those times, and they has to think that they can beat Clemson. Now has two losses. They're pretty much out of national title contention. They can still do damage in the ACC, but they're coming off that overtime loss to Florida State. Syracuse offers at quarterback. Um, what else can I tell you? I, I think that um, Clemson, you know what you're getting. Clemson stops the run. Good at stopping the run. Without an experienced Syracuse quarterback, I think there'd be a little bit of a problem because Clemson's front four remains stout. Uh, but overall, I just see Syracuse as a real opportunity for them to win this game outright. So we'll see what happens. I do too. Um, you know, I took the seven. Um, I wish I saw the seven and a half in time. I, I know I took it on Sunday, but it maybe it was too late. But um, I, I, yeah, I am with you here. I think that Q's is going to be tough here. And I really think that it's going to go also for the victory to whoever turns this ball over less. Clay, Kate Klubnick has been a little sloppy with the ball. Uh, he's thrown a few interceptions, a few fumbles, as you saw last week. Um, and I also think that Garrett Schrader has been a very veteran, solid quarterback uh, thus far. Uh, Clemson has definitely had the harder schedule uh, playing teams uh, like Florida State and Duke and uh, you know, that that's true, but at least Syracuse did play Purdue and Purdue looked pretty decent against Wisconsin and a tough military school like Army is always a is always really difficult to get by. So, um, yeah, I, I really think that uh, this is a great spot for uh, Syracuse here. And, um, you know, yes. I, we'll see if, uh, you know, we'll see if they can get through this one. So having a little technical difficulty here. So we're going to try to see if we can get Ron back here. Um, uh, to uh, obviously join us back. I'm not sure whose side it's on, but we're going to move into the next game here. Washington versus Arizona. Arizona plus 18, total 67.5. It's, there you uh, are. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost ready to switch to mobile, but uh, anyways, uh, we're, we're in agreement with Syracuse. I'm taking them plus seven, two and a half stars. Uh, Washington versus Arizona plus 18, 67 and a half is the total here. Uh, you picked this game, Ron. Uh, why don't you go and uh, let, let us know what you think. Well, I sort of like both teams in this game because Washington, even prior to last week, I had them rated ahead of USC. Now people have caught up with them a little bit. I'm seeing their power ratings higher by other people I respect. Uh, but I had them number one. They're, I was a little surprised at their past defense, even though they keep sending people to the end. But one of the reasons I like Arizona is because they have multiple offensive op options. So you're on so you're like in Arizona plus the 17 or plus the 18, right? Yeah, I'm kind of leaning with Arizona and more of a stronger lean with the over. All right, sounds good. Stronger lean with the owner again. And yes, I'm still trying to fix this, but I think it's better now. Uh, I I'm actually on Arizona here, and I think that was a little hint from uh, when I said undervalued team from the beginning. Um, I, it's like you know they they've been turning the ball over, and they should have beat Mississippi State. They they had a five to zero turnover ratio on there. I think Delora cleans that up, and Delora he's been in the Pac-12 for a while. He understands these teams, right? Uh, he's uh, two point zero seven net yards per play. I love Kalen DeBoer. And he's doing fantastic at Washington. And I just think their defense is a little suspect. You know, just letting Cal score any points is a problem. <laughs> the, cat, the Cats rank sixth in offensive success rate. And uh, 
this is just a defense in Washington that little suspect, 56th in success rate, 94th in rushing success rate. If they're not hot in offense, they're a very vulnerable team. And I liked Washington before the season, and I liked Oregon. I took both Washington and Oregon to win the Pac-12. I hope it's one of them. Kind of blended that with around the plus 400 area. But um, I just I think Oregon does have the nod about, ahead of them. And this is a flat spot for Washington, in my opinion. They're entering the bye. I like to fade teams a little bit coming into the bye. Kind of, you know, there's sometimes they get checked out a little bit early, especially with such a big spread, mm-hmm. Ron. So I'm taking them plus the 18 uh, for a few stars myself. Let's move on to uh, Kansas versus Texas. Texas is minus 17. The total is 64. What do you have for this game? And uh, obviously, Texas has a big game ahead of this one as well. Well, they're not going to look past Kansas because Kansas is undefeated as well, I believe, right? 4 0 versus 4 I would, I would hope so. About? Yeah, this um, is. Kansas has not played a, a great schedule, but here's what I. What I like, if you could hear me on the uh, on Kansas, is 2021, they allowed 6.25 per carry uh, to opposing offenses running the ball, 4.85 last year. And so far this year, they're down mm-hmm. to a 3.45 against an easy schedule, but it's a sign that they're going in the right direction defensively. This, to me, I don't have a play on this game, but this, to me, is all about their fine quarterback at Kansas and how many plays can he make. Because he can be scary in the run and the pass game. He is going to absolutely have to make plays against a loaded Texas team. He's capable of doing it, but I'm anxious to see whether that happens. Yeah, yeah. Delore, I mean, uh, Jalen is amazing as a quarterback, and he did beat this team, I believe, a couple years ago, back in 2000 and uh 21 so uh i find that very interesting ron um i i like to say that kansas has uh played one tough opponent at least i i mean byu's win i guess arkansas was a little suspect but um you gotta say texas has definitely had the much harder schedule i mean bama right you know i mean that's that's pretty that's pretty big and kansas hasn't played anything and illinois is not really too high on my priority list themselves. But uh, uh, Texas put a whooping on some teams, and they can do that. They can turn it on, and they have the talent. But is Jalen Daniels, can he keep scoring like he did before a few years ago? I'm going to say yes. Um, I think this total's a little bit low. I, I think can, Texas can put the, put this on. I, I My number's minus set 19 for Texas. But um, I'm going to lean over and lean – uh, Kansas a little bit, even though my power ratings uh, disagree a little bit, Ron. So that's the that's where I'm going to go with this one. So, um, what about the total in this game? Have you what do you think about the total? I yeah, I think it's I think it's too tough for me to call. I I said it. I only set a handful of totals um, just to try to get sharp in that area, and I set it exactly at 64 as well. So. Again, if if the Kansas quarterback makes plays, it goes over. Uh, if he doesn't, because Texas is that good defensively, it goes under. So I, I just came up with no opinion on the game. This is really in the hands. I try to find a key or two for each game, and I think this is really in the hands of Kansas quarterback Daniels. Yeah, I think it is too. I think he does move the ball, and I think Texas is looking ahead maybe is possible. Now, I'm not a big person on as big as, as look-ahead spots am I, am I as a letdown spots, but uh, this certainly could happen where uh, it gets a little rough 
for uh, Texas here at the end, and maybe they allow us some backdoor points and make it go over the total. What about Tennessee versus South Carolina? South Carolina plus 12.5, total 63.5. Ron, I'll let you go first while I still try to straighten this out. Okay, well, some teams, when they hit on the rush formula, when they're picked to win via my rush formula, they tend to get the job done. Um, and Tennessee is one of them. Over time, this has been a very strong situation for Tennessee. In the last 61, they're 39 and 22 against the spread when the rushing data after four games or more favors them. And in this particular case, it does favor them. So immediately I look and see that data and say, well, do I really like Tennessee? There are some good points to South Carolina. Spencer Rattler has really matured as a quarterback. Oh, yes, every once in a while you'll see him up with a multi-interception game. But the question that he can light up a scoreboard, it's possible that he could throw for 350 or more yards in this game. And also Shane Beamer comes from that vaunted Beamer family of special team prowess. And that's bode well for South Carolina in the past where they have covered underdog spreads one outright at times, including last year against Tennessee, uh, because they dominate special team play. But with all that being said, South Carolina's running game is down this year. Tennessee's running game, they have two guys who could run the ball very, very well. Milton has, in some people's eyes, has underachieved, but I don't look at it as underachieving. First of all, he gets to play a South Carolina team that's not great against the pass. And secondly, he does have an 8-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. He's still throwing over 60%. No, he's not as good as the quarterback, uh, Hanson Hooker, who graduated last year and is rehabbing right now, but he is plenty good enough. And the one thing that has me um, really making the play on Tennessee, um, I'm very proud to have said that I actually moved a line today because I found a Tennessee 11. <laughs> and, and then it, it jumped at, a, at a, a prominent offshore book, and then they changed the line. And it's not like I'm moving money for thousands of dollars, but they changed the line after I played it. But 63 to 38, it wasn't that the score last year oh, that yes. South Carolina beat an undefeated Tennessee team? This is the game that they have circled on their calendar. It ruined Tennessee's season last year. It hurt Hooker. For a couple of games there. Yeah. And, yeah, and he got hurt and so on. This game is circled on their calendar, which isn't enough to make me have a play unless the data is in their favor. And for me, the data is in Tennessee's favor. All right. Well, I mean, I you have agreement from me. A lot, not a lot of disagreement today. It looks like, uh-huh. uh, you know, that happens. I mean, I'm happy about that. It's uh, I do we do disagree once in a while, but not today. A uh, huge revenge spot, like you said. Uh, they were taken completely out of the playoff hunt, and uh, with Henry Hooker being hurt, uh, it was an interesting spot. Um, I actually was wrong the very next week against Vanderbilt because they blew out Vanderbilt the next week. But that's how Vandy is. They trick you all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy. Uh, these are, I guess, both fade teams in general. But, you know, at the same time, this kind of goes back to my home road split conversation. You know, Tennessee is a much better home team. And I also think South Carolina is a suspect road team, too. Um, it, lots of that in the SEC. South Carolina, it, it, I mean, they have the defense is pretty bad. Uh, 117th in success rate. They give up over six yards per play so far. Now, I know they played North Carolina and. Obviously, uh, you know they have had a harder schedule, but my number 
is higher than this. It's like 13 and a half, and I'm at 12 and a half. I keep scratching, wondering why it's not 14, but I'm going to watch this, see if there's any contrarian side that knocks it even lower for me. I don't need to rush into this. Maybe if I miss it, I miss it, Ron, but I, I agree with you. I have a lean to Tennessee for sure. You know, in a lot of spots, I would take South Carolina. I probably will take South Carolina as a dog during the season. I, I just look at not the power ratings, not anything else, just the matchup analysis. And it sure looks like to me that Tennessee is going to win on offense. And Rattler may be the guy, maybe he throws for four touchdowns, but South Carolina is probably going to be one-dimensional offensively themselves unless they get the running game going, which they haven't so far. So you've got a team that can beat you via the run in the pass versus a team that I think cannot beat you via the run in South Carolina. Oh, for sure. And that's that's going to come to fruition here. Now, South Carolina's defense, 123rd in passing success rate. Well, what does Tennessee like to do with Hypo? They definitely throw the ball, and they're going to get some first downs uh, just you know through the air, I think, too. So that's uh, – you know, that's what I'm going to key in on. And being such a big home game for Tennessee, this is a big revenge spot for them. They're all going to get up for this game. There's probably not even a spread big enough that you should lay in the, or that you can't lay in this is what I'm trying to say. It, yeah. This could be a 20-point victory, 30-point victory, something like that. Strong lean to Tennessee. Um, you might have talked me into that side. So we'll, <laughs> see, we'll see what happens. That's always a good thing. I mean, the numbers match up, they match up. And, uh, you know, that's... Yeah. That's important. Well, let's do a little hodgepodge now. I'll pull up our Betfred odds screen and just kind of throw out a few things. What do you think about Thursday's game, Middle Tennessee State versus Western Kentucky, Ron? Um, I was looking at Western Kentucky a little bit. It's, it's the spread six, six and a half. Uh, the total on this game is 60.5. The total's assuming that one of these teams aren't scoring a ton because, you know, Western Kentucky scores a ton. So it, it makes me worried from the Western, the Middle Tennessee State side, but. Uh, Western Kentucky has their flaws. Um, they don't have the greatest defense. They don't really run the ball a lot, but I don't think they're going to need to to beat uh, Middle Tennessee State. I'm kind of close to leaning Western Kentucky on this myself. Any quick thoughts on that one? My power ratings have this Kentucky, Western Kentucky as a much higher favorite. And because of that, and because it's one of the conferences that I don't write about exclusively, I tried to pick into the numbers and say, why is this so low? What am I missing? In general, Middle Tennessee has been a good road dog over the years, but this seems like a matchup problem. They've had trouble versus that kind of offense. They've had trouble against Western Kentucky. I would have a strong lean or a play to Western Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. Uh, me too. I'm I'm there with you on that one. So I'm going to consider this one for a Thursday night for sure, looking at Western Kentucky. Uh, Louisville NC State's interesting because NC State on Friday, this is on Friday as well with Utah, Oregon State now. Uh, this starts two hours before, so you're going to be able to pivot from Louisville, NC State. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you if you can't turn that UTEP, uh, LA Tech game off, that is, uh, right to Oregon State, Utah. So you also have three and a half home dog here. I will tell you this, Friday nights, I do not like betting against home dogs. And you have Louisville that I think is slightly overrated. Um, they've been passing really good, and Jeff Brom's offense is fantastic, but this just feels like a hit-you-in-the-mouth game for NC State, Ron. I have conflict in this game. Um, first of all, I think the line is a little high. It should not cross three. Secondly, 
Unfortunately, I've been wrong on Louisville in terms of a season win projection. Louisville is winning a bunch of games, and I thought there'd be a coaching transition. I thought I thought there'd be a little bit of a down, and they've kind of hit the ground running. Um, I have more work to do on this game. I have to decide if I really want NC State. If the line you know remains at three and a half or more, I'm going to wait on it because Louisville has the data. Uh, I just see a lot of conflict. I'm just not confident in this game right now. No, fair enough. And uh, I my number's one and a half, and something's stopping me from betting it. Am I scared of Louisville a little bit? I don't. I don't know. Um, NC State's frustrated me before. I did have them against Notre Dame, and I felt like once they caught up, Notre Dame just I turned too. on. I, yeah, okay. Well, two <laughs> two great minds made the mistake. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, I I thought that I I just thought that they just got outclassed by Notre Dame. It's like when they came in, Notre Dame was playing with their food for a while, and then they're like, okay, we're just gonna put the put you out once they got between seven. Remember third quarter, and you're just like, geez. Uh, But I don't have a lot of faith in Louisville, and my number's one and a half. So this is another close one. Friday night home dog above three. That is that is something that you got to really consider, kind of coming in. Uh, why don't you pick a game on Friday or on Saturday? Even uh, is there any game that kind of sticks out to you, kind of hodgepodge? Um, hodgepodge around. Well, I'm, speaking of Notre Dame, I'm I'm really really curious about that Notre Dame Duke game because Mike Elko has has just done unbelievable things at Duke. He used to be for a couple of years Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, but Notre Dame hasn't missed a beat defensively at all. I thought. Certainly thought Notre Dame could have beaten Ohio State. I had the three and a half points. I encouraged everybody to get that extra half point because Notre Dame's kicking is not up to par at all this this week. I don't have a current play on this. I have situations that favor Duke to the tune of about fifty three and a half percent success rate. That's not large enough for me to make a play. You know, fifty three and a half percent edge is you know barely over the fifty two point three eight you need. I have a slight lean to Duke, maybe because Notre Dame had that tough loss last week. You know, they have to rebound. But that Notre Dame defense is special. I just think it's a fascinating game. What are your thoughts? Um, well, geez, uh, Notre Dame, oh, they, they were re- they let me down last week. I had the hook at least. But from a fan perspective, yes. Ron, um, I was really hoping that Notre Dame was going to win, and they just kind of blew it at the end. I think the coach made some mistakes, mm-hmm. and uh, there are some errors there. And so I, you're talking about Duke coming up the next week. That is just – and that's a 430 game. You know, it's funny. I, I was scared to look at this one because <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted Notre Dame to come off the win, this to be seven, and then me to take Duke. I mean, that's what I wanted I to happen. But it didn't, and now I don't know what to get. This was six and a half when it opened, and now it's five and a half, and I understand it, and I think Duke is a really well-coached team, and they have a lot of like play action that they run, right? They they also mm-hmm. they find the open receiver extremely well, um, but Notre Dame has more talent, and they're coming off a tough loss. This could be one of those I'm-going-to-put-one-on-you type games to show you I'm going to beat the team that beat Clemson type thing. And I think they're going to be motivated because Notre Dame knows that their season's not over yet, and they also know that they should have won that game. This scares me now at five and a half. Mm-hmm. I would lean Notre Dame. You know, uh, I, yeah, I would. It's a spot, really. You know, 
most likely not making a play. My lean would be Duke, but it's such a slight margin in my area. I, I just, I just think I'm better off just watching the game and learning from it. I, I, I think it's the kind of chess match games that I like. I generally don't like 52, 45 shootouts. I don't necessarily like 13, 10 games if both teams are so inept offensively that, oh, what are they doing? But Duke and Notre Dame can both play offense, but they can also both play some pretty good defense. So if this is a 13-10 game, it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, it is. And um, it, the under is what I would lean, I guess, if anything. Um, I could see it going over, but I think that this is definitely a situation where now you don't know what you're going to get from Notre Dame. It could be a letdown too. And then you have Mike Alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mike Elko has been, he's had this game circled for a while. I mean, are you kidding me? This is their big yeah. game, you know? I mean, of course they have to play Clemson. Actually, Duke's got a really hard schedule compared to last year, but I mean. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they Massively. And, and you can't really say that, you know, that Northwestern win was worth much as the way that Northwestern has been looking over the past few years, but they got at Florida state. They got uh, at Louisville later. Duke's got at North Carolina and then at Virginia. Yeah, it's a little bit easier. And I guess Duke does avoid. Um, the, oh, never mind. They beat Clemson. That Yeah, they, they have to play the tough ones yet. North Carolina, Florida State at both at. So they have their schedule worked out for them. But I mean, they're a ranked team now and um, they're at home and Notre Dame's the favorite. But Notre Dame's ranked two, of course. But. No, this is this is tough. You know what's funny about Penn State is I almost think that they're a little bit overrated. From a, I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation where they're also I think they're number one in turnover margin, and they got to play Iowa without without Lackey, their best pass catcher, right. you know, and and their best running backs. It's almost like so what, so what you beat them thirty something to nothing, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State is just the same team to me. I think they're a little bit more poised. There's no Clifford this year. And I, I just see the, you know, same old boss type of thing, you know, meet the new boss, same old boss from the who, who that good song from a long time ago. We used to listen to, mm-hmm, but, yeah. but um, I just feel that uh, I could see Penn state just having a rough time at Northwestern. Now do, do I have the nuts to take plus 27 at Northwestern? Not, not really. I mean, no, but Northwestern did come off a big win against Minnesota uh, they got to overtime and they were down 21. I just don't think Penn State's defense would allow Northwestern back into this game if they're up 21. I think, and you know, Franklin likes to cover the spread. I think, I, but would it shock you yeah. just to see all of a sudden, oh my God, barn burner, 23 to 20, two minutes left in the fourth? Would, would that shock you? No, it wouldn't shock me, Ron. Well, uh, James Franklin owes me a little bit of money from that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what if a guy gets injured? in the last minute of the game. That's that's my biggest complaint, is that I know that's his style. At least I now know that's his style after seeing that happen. But if somebody gets injured, uh, that's just inexcusable when you're up three touchdowns or whatever they were up at the time. Obviously, the game was over. Um, so at, at one point, he'll pay me back and I'll get some money back. I don't know if it'll be this week. He owes me yeah. money too, yeah. trust me. He owes me he money. He owes me money. I have one game I want to ask you about. Sure. I find it fascinating uh, because I think both teams are playing far below expectations. Uh, Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech. Oh. 
I mean, uh, <laughs> Phil, uh, I mean, that quarterback who's now at his second or third school, he's, he's just a disaster. And I thought that would happen. At one point, he was considered, since I follow the draft and write about the draft for so long, he was considered a first-round draft pick. And I said, what? The guy has no pocket presence. And it turns out he has no accuracy either. But then I expected a little bit more about uh, from Virginia Tech this this year, mm-hmm. and I've been let down with with that too. These are two underachieving teams. Can you make any sense of it? Because on paper, I'd like to lean Pitt in this game. Well, he's questionable. Jerkovic is, and you, you know that's interesting. I remember that bought everyone and their mom two was it two years ago or three years ago bet the Boston College over six and a half and it went to yeah. seven and a half eight I think it closed at eight and then Boston College lost Jerkovic and everyone said well we had bad luck we lost Jerkovic well if it, it turns out he will, he might not have took you over either you know because no. everyone thought that like you said and he's been a failure and now he's questionable coming into this game. But what's the downgrade here? I don't know. And I don't know much about Pittsburgh's second string. You know, I I can't research everything. I don't have the time. Uh, You know, I I don't. So I I don't know if he's playing this, but it's interesting to see Pitt still a favorite here against a Virginia Tech team that can be very feisty. You know, um, I always like to pull up the injury reports uh, midweek and find out Virginia Tech's not exactly super uh, healthy because Grant Wells, their quarterback, has been mm-hmm. missing time as well, as well as uh, it, they had Watson, one of their quarterbacks that was suspended. So you're you're looking at a game that we don't even know who's playing quarterback on either side, really. I don't yeah. think Wells can play. Um, it's an ugly game, and I think that's uh, a game I want to stay away from or maybe bet the under because of the quarterback issues yeah. and uh, always check the weather. But, you know, I think as it gets colder and colder and, you know, we have to start looking more towards unders and, I know the the clock stoppage has affected it some, and uh, I've, I haven't been as good this year on totals, I admit. I've been better on sides. So um, mm-hmm. that's an interesting question that you asked me that because it's an ugly game and an under-the-radar mm-hmm. game, and we should pay attention to those as sports bettors for sure. Uh, I'll bring up one last game here. We'll dig one out here. Uh, San Diego State versus Air Force. Now... Air Force is minus 10 and a half. The total is 43 and a half. I watched Air Force come back against San Jose State. And I was were I tried to middle that game with like a 10 point middle. I had I teased uh my I had Air Force minus three early, then it went to minus six, and I teased it's from six to twelve with another game. I actually lost because uh San Jose State just got blown out at the end. Air Force shown resilience here. And if you watch how bad San Diego State's rush defense was against Boise State. You would have thought they were Kent State or UTEP or somebody like that from last week. So this line is has Air Force minus 10.5, but I think that this is very coverable for them no matter what my power ratings say because of the matchup itself. You know, I'm going to pull up San Diego State, and this is a defense that... Brady Hoke, we have not seen anything this bad from this team for years. You know, I don't remember the last time they were this bad. Yeah. But I'm going to pull up this, and I'll share my screen of some of my spreadsheets here. Um, San Diego State and Air Force. You look at Air Force, they're rushing. Their offensive success rate is actually seventh. And I know they played some bad teams, 
But, you know, it is what it is. They, they, they're they a Mountain West team. They played Utah State and San Jose State and won comfortably. Um, they actually can throw the ball a little bit. Their, their front seven is great. They're strong. They're, it, they're not the most explosive team, but they get a chunk of six to ten yards almost on every run. Now you have San, San Diego State here. Their defensive line yards is 128th. Their defensive rushing success rate is 132nd, Ron. 132nd, my man. And so this is a massive rushing mishap, mismatch. I think I'm going to take the ten, lay the 10.5 here with Air Force. I, I mean, I might have just talked myself into it, but I know there's <laughs> limited possessions, but... I just I'm just not buying San Diego State, and I think they kind of crumble here towards the end, especially away. And you know, when Rocky Long was here, we were talking about San Diego State uh, dominating these these one dimensional teams, and so Air Force had a bad run against San Diego State for so many years, and then last year, Air Force got the win. Of course, Rocky Long was long gone; he was he's been at New Mexico, so. In this particular case, yeah, Air Force has the running numbers. Um, my And maybe like you, my power ratings support Air Force um, as being a higher favorite, but the the matchup scares me. It's, it's almost undoubtedly going to be a no play for me because Air Force traditionally is not the best team that you want to cover these large favorites uh, because if they do get behind... If, if they get ahead, that's one thing. Then they, they can continue. Although, uh, I'll give them credit. They showed some great resiliency against San Jose State. Um, I had San Jose State last year, when the line, last week, when the line went to six. Uh, I also had San Diego State, so I got uh, a split in terms of those uh, Mountain West games last week. I, I don't really know what to make of the spread. I understand it, that it being lower than it was, uh, than my numbers say it is. Uh, I probably would lean Air Force only because they could eventually wear down San Diego State. And San Diego State's defensive coordinator has an impressed uh, – they're down. They're, they're down from what they used to be, just like you said. Right. Rocky Long now at Syracuse, by the way, uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah. And he's really – another reason that I forgot to mention and that I like Syracuse this week is he's been really turned the, that defense around against Clemson, so I'm, I'm loving it, Ron. But we also love you because you have some great takes on this show, and we apologize about some of the technical difficulties, but we got through it. Uh, great time, Cox, to uh, you know bring us down to three megs per second, so really uh, really appreciate that. Yeah. But uh, anyways, Ron, it's great that you came back on, and uh, we, I also uh, follow all your stuff. And why don't you tell our listeners and viewers where they could follow you and your stuff uh, and your media. First, Kev, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy when uh, we have dialogue, and uh, thank you again for coming on uh, at the end of last season to talk about NFL with me. Yeah. Um, you know, brainstorming it is what it's all about. And so I write some articles, a uh, college article and an NFL article for Wager Talk now that come out on Monday and Tuesday. Look for those. If you follow me on Ron A Sports, you'll see them t- tweeted out. I have a show with Chris, Las Vegas Chris and with Ted, the Inside Blitz, on Friday, where we go over two games that Sports USA Live is covering. Uh, Ted does the pregame and the halftime shows for them, and he gets player interviews. 
uh, unique show that we get to have player interviews. We had Puka Nakua on, and he's a superstar all of a sudden. <laughs> he is the biggest then, name uh, in fantasy, buddy. Yeah, so that Friday show is fun. And then Chris and I go live. And we brainstorm, we shoot the breeze and we bring up points. And I, I try to challenge him. He tries to challenge me Tuesdays around this time, uh, usually sometime around noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, Pacific standard time. Uh, Chris and I are just going over different things. We're, we're, we're going process oriented more than anything on that show. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, just to round it out, I also talk a little bit more college. I'm so glad to talk college with you because I don't get to talk college enough. But uh, I do talk college with Jeff Dawson on and East Coast Sports also on Friday. Uh, that's fun to do, too. It's only football for me. So um, I relish this time of year. Thanks. No, absolutely, man. We love it. So make sure you check Ron out and all of his great stuff. Ron will be texting this weekend. Best of luck to you all of your plays. Thank you. This segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on our podcast episode description. All right, just to recap, what I'm doing is taking Kentucky, giving it out at a better number at minus one and a half for 2.5 stars. Ron and I both agree on Syracuse plus seven. I like that down to three and a half anyway. It's at six and a half in a lot of books for 2.5 stars. I also like Arizona plus the 18 for two stars. And I have leans on Tennessee and Air Force right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to the window on it yet. Got to do a little bit more research. Also a lean to the Kansas versus Texas over. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The sharp side of the force is brought to you by this season. For the best football and all sport contests in the land, Please check out www.thesn.com slash OB. Join in all of the fantasy and contest fun. All right. Sharp money this week as of Wednesday on Oregon State. Minus one to minus three and a half hosting Utah. 46% of the tickets, 88% of the money. Sharp money at Syracuse plus seven. Now it's plus six and a half in most books hosting Clemson. 74% of the tickets, 93% of the money. Sharp money on Kansas plus 19 and a half to plus 17 at Texas. 53% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Sharp money on Memphis minus three to minus three and a half hosting Boise State. 65% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Sharp money on Georgia Southern minus three and a half to minus six and a half hosting Coastal Carolina. 37% of the tickets and 54% of the money. Sharp totals. Jacksonville State versus Sam Houston under 38 to 36.5, 31% of the tickets and 70% of the money. Sharp money on Utah versus Oregon State under 47.5 to 45, 81% of the tickets and 93% of the money. A little dual action there. Penn State versus Northwestern under 70, uh, 47.5 to 45.5, 34% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp money on Michigan versus Nebraska under 46.5 to 39.5, 43% of the tickets and 82% of the money. Sharp money on Houston versus Texas Tech under 56.5 to 51.5, 90% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Just a lot of unders. My friends, thank you so 
so much for listening to this podcast. We apologize about the technical difficulties that we had. Make sure you check out our NFL show tomorrow if you get a chance. Enjoy the rest of the week and go get some winners.